0: President Clinton, to his credit, sent two carrier strike groups and a Marine Amphibious Ready Group. I was an infantry officer on that Marine Amphibious Ready Group. We were, no kidding, into Taiwan Strait, telling the Chinese, like, hey, don't even think about it today. If you do it, you're gonna be toast. And your Amphibious Invasion Force will be at the bottom of the ocean. And so um, now I'm back out, you know, kind of bookends of my career doing it again out in that region. So, um, yeah, it's, it really helps my day job in terms of national security issues. And just knowing, right? I, I know these officers, I know these troops. When you have, you know, members kind of ripping into them, oh, they're not warriors and things like that. That's, that's not right. He's, he's a, this is the most combat-tested, combat-experienced generation of military officers since World War II, and I'm, I'm proud to serve alongside them. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank.
1: Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. It's Veterans Day this week, and we honor and celebrate our veterans. For the week leading up to Veterans Day, we've had veterans on the show that are currently serving in Congress, And today's guest is a little different because he's a U.S. senator and a colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve. Now, he started his military journey in 1993, and he took on a variety of command and staff positions in both active duty and the reserves. In 2004, he returned to active duty for a year and a half, during which he served as a staff officer to General John Abizade the commander of the U.S. Central Command. Then, in July 2013, he was once again summoned to active duty, this time as part of a joint task force operating in Afghanistan. His mission was to focus on the crucial tasks of dismantling terrorist networks and combating the insurgency led by the Taliban. Now, beyond his military career, he's held multiple positions in government including serving as Alaska's Attorney General and Commissioner of the Alaska Department of Natural Resources. I want to welcome United States Senator Dan Sullivan from the great state of Alaska. Well, Senator Sullivan, thanks for being with us. Uh, hey,
0: Jeff. Great great to be on the show. and am um, looking forward to getting home to Alaska on Veterans Day. And, you know, my state, we have, we have more veterans per capita in any state in the country. So, This is a really big, important weekend uh, for all our veterans
1: and families. Uh, Alaska has the biggest of everything. You know, I know you try and compete with Texas. No, let me say it differently. Texas tries to compete with Alaska, right? But they they can't do do it. it. I mean, you're just too big.
0: (laughs) I love Texas. You know, I'm good, good friends with Ted Cruz and John Cornyn. But I do mention it, you know, maybe more than they like. But we have a saying in Alaska, if you... Cut Alaska in half, then Texas would be the third largest state in the country.
1: <laughs>
0: it's true. I'm it not is sure, true. I'm not I sure love, they'd be that, But uh, anyways,
1: I love Alaska. It's 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 one of my absolute favorite states. And to anyone who's not been there, they should go visit. Yeah, you got to come
0: right? up. All your right. listeners, everybody watching, you got to come up. You will. You'll love it. You'll have the you'll have the trip of a lifetime. I guarantee it.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're talking we're talking about Veterans Day and the, yeah. the, the men and women who serve and continue to serve in, in Congress. We're doing a lot of episodes this whole week with uh, members of Congress, members of the Senate who have served in the military and continue to serve their country. I wanted to talk to you about your service. Why did you decide to serve in the military and how did you pick the Marine Corps?
0: Well, look, I don't want you to get in trouble here. I, <laughs> you know, I love all the services, right? But, you know, the Marine Corps has a reputation of being probably the best military force in the world not just in America and a commitment to excellence challenges ready when the rest of the country isn't ready that's been our heritage for over 200 years so uh, all those reasons I I love being a U.S. Marine and you know I'm still in I'm the only member of the Senate still serving and um, boy it really helps me with my day job as I say but (laughs) Yeah. I love love the Marine Corps. I love everything it stands for.
1: Now, have you ever I I asked a a member of Congress this the other day, uh, uh, who's a retired general officer, and he actually got to testify as a to the House Armed Services Committee. And now he serves on the House Armed Services Committee. Did you ever get the opportunity before you served in Congress to testify before Congress?
0: You know, I did as the commissioner of natural resources and energy for Alaska, but never, never as a U.S. Marine. I was a, I'm a grunt. I'm a infantry officer, recon officer, and I'm sure the rarefied era Congress wasn't what uh, they were looking for in a, you know, a Marine infantry <laughs> officer and recon officer. So I, I, I never had opportunity to do that as a, as a Marine, but as a, as a Energy Minister for Alaska, certainly uh, a number of times, because you know our country so our states so important for America's energy and in a lot of ways energy security and national security.
1: Yeah, no question about it. What was it like uh, adjusting when you got into the Marine Corps? What, give, us, give us your thoughts on adjusting to life as a marine? Well, you know everybody has
0: their moments, right? <laughs> uh, my officer candidate uh OCS uh, experience was, you know, uh, a little challenging, like everybody, but I think they they want to make sure they make it that way. The, the one story I always say, and this is actually a true story, so I I went to o- Officer Cannon School. The Marine Corps then has what's called the basic school. That's one of the many things that makes the Marine Corps unique. That's the basic officer course. It's about seven months, and that's where they train everybody to be an infantry officer. It doesn't matter you're going to be a pilot, a lawyer. A logistician. Everybody goes to the basic school. So it really grounds the officer corps and the Marine Corps into a common purpose. You you spend, you know, almost seven months with your fellow officers. Then you go to your MOS school. And my MOS school was actually infantry. So did three more months at the infantry officer course, which was a, a really good school, really hard school. They, you know, you're being trained to be a Marine infantry officer. And, um, You know, one one kind of shocker, I think it was more of a shocker for my wife than for me. I was doing this and my wife and I were, well, we were engaged and we were getting ready to get married up in Fairbanks, Alaska. The IOC infantry officer course is in Quantico, Virginia. And, you know, it's really hardcore training. You're in the field the whole time doing live fire weapons. And I kept going to my superior officers. Hey, sir, I I need a I just need one day off. I got to fly up to Alaska (laughs) get married, come back, you know, it's going to, and they were ignoring me, ignoring me, ignoring me. And literally it's the kind of the week of my wedding. And uh, (laughs) I'm finally go to this captain. I said, sir, I, I I have to have this Friday off so I can fly up to Fairbanks and get married to my wife, my fiance. And, and, you know, sir, you guys haven't granted me the day of leave yet. And and it's going to be really hard for my wife to get married without me. in Fairbanks." This captain, I swear to God, he said this. He looked at me and goes, Lieutenant Sullivan, if the Marine Corps wanted you to have a wife, we would have issued you one. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, shit. I'm not going to be I'm not going to go get married. <laughs> so they literally gave me one day off to hustle up all the way to Fairbanks from Quantico, Virginia, got married on Saturday, had to hustle back. And I was in the field Monday morning and bought it. I won't bore you with details. That week-long field exercise they pounded the living daylights out of me <laughs> and they made it clear that they were taking out of me because I had the audacity to go get married to a beautiful woman in Alaska so <laughs> anyways I told my wife well, welcome to the core no honeymoon no nothing it was <laughs> back to hardcore training but it was it was all good we yes, can sure. laugh, about, laugh about
1: it now that's quite a story. Uh, I imagine your wife would not have understood if you just didn't show up.
0: My wife's been a great marine <laughs> wife even to this day you know the, and I always and this is actually an important point you know for Veterans Day we celebrate our veterans but what I always say is look it's really important to celebrate families and I've told my wife we have three daughters, my wife Julie and I and I've always said to them look you might not be wearing a uniform of the united states military but you are family member you are sacrificing you are serving and in a lot of ways this can be tougher you know you get deployed you're very focused on your mission it's the yeah. people at home who are worried and wondering you know they read about a helicopter crash is my husband on that so um yeah we always got to remember the families uh when we talk about veterans and veterans day
1: yeah, we sure do. My wife is a is an Army brat, and I always oh. talk to her about that. You know, moving. Yeah, and I think the families make such a sacrifice. And as you mentioned, the 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 service member themselves, they go to the the next duty station, and they have a job waiting for them. They have tasks. Correct. It's the it's the spouse and the kids that have to hang the pictures on the wall and get everything put, put away and find the new schools and all of that. So yeah, no you, doubt about it.
0: You talk to families, right? They've been in 20, 25, 30 years. You know, the they'll have made 13 moves, right? I mean, think about that. Yeah, Really a huge sacrifice. And that's not including, you know, when they've deployed
1: the combat zone. So
0: big, big sacrifice. We always got to remember the families.
1: Yeah, no question. Now, you, you worked at the White House. You worked at the State Department before you became, became uh, attorney general. And Alaska is unique, not unique, but it's one of, I think, two states, Alaska and Wyoming. The governor appoints the attorney general rather than the elected position. But you were appointed attorney general of Alaska. What made you want to run for the U.S. Senate?
0: Well, that's a great question because you're right. I I had never run for office before Mm -hmm. I ran for the U.S. Senate. So um, I had been attorney general that you mentioned. That's appointed by the governor, confirmed by the legislature. So kind of like the kind of like the federal system. Yeah. And then I got asked by our governor when he won his reelection to move from the attorney general job to the commissioner of natural resources and energy. And in Alaska, that's the big cabinet job. So, but same thing—you got get confirmed by the legislature, but it's not an elected office. So I threw my hat in the ring in 2014. Uh, to be perfectly honest, it's somewhat analogous to what's going on now. Um, we had a federal government in the Biden administration, I'm sorry, in the Obama administration, that was crushing Alaska, right, in terms of shutting down our resources, shutting down our ability to develop our economy, shutting down our ability to develop natural resources for America. And, um, and that, of course, hurt Alaska, but it was really bad for the country just like the Biden administration is doing now to Alaska. And then you might remember this was second term of Obama. Uh, They cut defense spending by 25 percent, 25 percent. I was, uh, you know, still in the reserves at that time. I had uh, gotten recalled to go to Afghanistan. I was uh, commanding or exo of a anti-terrorism unit uh, that was kind of based in Alaska, but nationwide. And, you know, I saw a direct impact on our military and readiness with the federal government crushing the um, military and the families. And to be honest, you know, I don't want to be too political here, but I thought the incumbent Democrat senator who is representing Alaska on these issues in particular was very weak and did not fight the Obama administration the way they needed to be fought for right. Alaska, for Energy security for America, for national security for America, for our military families. So that is what motivated me. You know, I had I had never run for dog catcher, right? <laughs> and but you know, when you throw your hat in the ring, I think for the right reasons that are a, a big conviction that is authentic, of what you really believe. Then you know, I think that's the best way to get involved in elected office, and that's the way I did.
1: Right. Well, now you're a colonel in the US Marine Corps Reserve currently and explain how that kind of impacts your duties as a senator, how it helps you with the policy decisions that you make.
0: Oh, I, it really helps me and um you know, I mean I'm I'm plugged in to the to the troops. But, I mean, I'm a senior colonel. Um my billet right now is I'm um, uh for the military members listening and watching I'm an individual mobilization detachment. So that's a, it's a, uh, augmenting an augmenting and active duty force, essentially, in this billet. And I'm the chief of staff on the reserve side to the Marine Forces Pacific Command commander. So that's the three-star Marine general in charge of kind of the warfighting elements, the first Marine Expeditionary Force. And the third Marine Expedition Force. So that's about two thirds of the U.S. Marine Corps. And that's under the Indo-PACOM commander, uh, Admiral Aquilino. So where all the action is, you know, um, Taiwan war planning, uh, Indo-PACOM war planning, South China Sea war planning. um, I mean, uh, that's part of my my duty. And and so it's really helpful you know, when you have the admirals and generals coming in for the Armed Services Committee, I'm on the Armed Services Committee, and, you know, I'm respectful, but they can't pull a lot of BS uh, <laughs> on me just because I'm, I'm doing it. And I do probably about twenty about 24, 25 days a year. So it's a, it's a lot of time on the reserve side. And, you know, for me, it's kind of interesting, Jeff, because it's like bookends to my career. This is probably the last bill that I'll have. Um, uh, my first deployment as a U.S. Marine was to the – South China Sea, Taiwan Strait. Some people might remember that was a time of high tension, 1995 and 96. That's now referred to as the third Taiwan Strait crisis. The uh, Chinese uh, People's Liberation Army was threatening to invade Taiwan. They were shooting missiles over Taiwan. They moved the whole PLA up to the Taiwan Strait. And President Clinton, to his Credit sent two carrier strike groups and a Marine Amphibious Ready Group. I was an infantry officer on that Marine Amphibious Ready Group. We were, no kidding, in the Taiwan Strait, telling the Chinese, like, hey, don't even think about it today. If you do it, you're going to be toast. Uh, Your your Amphibious Invasion Force will be at the bottom of the ocean. And so um, now I'm back out, you know, kind of bookends of my career Doing it again out in that region, so um, yeah, it's it really helps my day job in terms of national security issues and just knowing, right? I, I know these officers, I know sure. these troops. When you have you know members kind of ripping into them, oh, they're not warriors and things like that. That's that's not right. He's he's a this is the most combat tested, combat experienced generation of military officers since World War II, and I'm I'm proud to serve alongside them.
1: Now I do have to ask because I think um, you know the, the military is is a hierarchy and it's a system of rank. So you're a U.S. senator, but you're yeah. also a colonel. Now you rank a little higher as yeah. a as a as a civilian U.S. senator than you would be a colonel in the military. Do, do you ever feel like you get treated a little bit differently because of that? Well
0: look, it's a great question. <laughs> because let's face it, it could be a little it can be a little awkward, right? Sure. Um, right. I'm on the Armed Services Committee. I do rigorous oversight of the generals and admirals and the secretaries of the Army and Secretaries of Navy, you know, of the Secretary of Defense, and I take that civilian oversight capacity in obligation very seriously, including, you know, I'm not afraid to rip into admirals and generals or secretaries of the Navy or who I think are not being straight with the committee and things like that. But then at the same time, you know, you put your uniform on, you're a colonel. I mean, the secretary of the Navy or a four-star Marine general is way above you, right? So, It can be awkward. I think everybody kind of deals with it in their own way. But, um, again, it helps me. And I think most members in the senior ranks of the Pentagon respect it. Hey, here's a senator. He's a senior colonel. He knows what he's talking about. Right. Is there some resentment occasionally or some a little bit like we're not digging this? Uh, I'm sure that's the case. And, you know, they just got to deal with it. So (laughs) do I. But um, right but you're putting your finger on a very good question. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you can be a little bit awkward, right? Sure. Can be a little bit awkward.
1: And conversely, I mean, there's got to be a few Marines, right? Some of the enlisted Marines who, like when you walk past, you're a colonel. And then one of them's like, well, dude, that guy's a senator. I mean, do you think that's got to happen too, a little bit? Well, you
0: know, the Marine Corps is a small family, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know whether you're a lance corporal PFC you're serving your country in the marine corps uh, i respect those young men and women and and i think it goes both ways so um yeah we do i think i think marines know that i, I certainly i mean i look for all, out for all the military army navy air force coast guard and i think the marine corps enlisted men and women know that they got a senator from alaska who pays particular attention what the hell's going on in the marine corps and <laughs> uh, has their back. And I think, you know, going into veterans day, that's, that's really important for people
1: to know and, uh, trust in that element. Right. Okay. So one other question along these lines is, do you ever have, have you ever had someone come up to you? Cause obviously you do constituent service and things like that as a Senator for Alaska, but have you ever had someone in the Marine Corps come up, and say, Senator, I've just got to tell you about this. We got to get this fixed. Have you ever had that?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I I see things when I'm on Marine Corps duty that, you know, I, I'll i take back and say, right. geez, we got to fix that. But but it kind of goes both ways. I'll never forget when I first got elected, I was lieutenant colonel. I was commanding what's called an Anglico unit. It's kind of a air. It's kind of an elite airborne recon type unit that um, the Marines deploy in small teams, not with other Marines, but with Army units, foreign Armies and they're like specialists at calling in supporting arms, so naval gunfire, fixed-wing aircraft, uh, artillery, and they're airborne. These units, so it's a it's a great unit. So I was a command, I was a battalion commander for a six anglico, and I got elected. And uh, you know, I've been in maybe a couple of weeks, and I meet with the commandant of the Marine Corps. And uh, in the first meeting, he 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 refers to me as sir. Right. And I'm kind of like, uh, you talking to me? <laughs> it's a four star general calling me, sir. Yeah. Right. And I'm a lieutenant colonel. And the commandant in the Marine Corps, the commandant is kind of viewed like a uh, pope, right? The god, a God. Sure. So I was a little strange. Uh, seriously, I was kind of looking at him like, who's he talking about? And then I realized he was referring to me as sir because I was a senator. And Right it was the civilian oversight which of course makes our country unique and our our military unique but it was a uh, it was a little awkward i will i will admit that
1: oh that's that's an amazing story it's a great story well senator i want to thank you for for your time today and and for joining us on the podcast but most importantly thanks for your service to our country through the marine corps thanks to your service to our country through the the united states senate And thanks for being such a great policy champion. I know Americans for Prosperity really values you and the relationship that we have with you and just all the good work that you do. Well, Jeff,
0: thank you. And uh, I love the work Americans for Prosperity does. They have a giant influence and a positive influence, not just in Alaska, but throughout our entire country. So to you and your podcast and all the great work you're, you're doing and everybody tuning in, Thank you. And thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for reaching out, especially on Veterans Day, uh, upcoming weekend. Like I said, heading home, Alaska, more vets per capita than any state in the country. We really honor that. But you're honoring all our veterans, too. And uh, American for Prosperity does that time and time again. So I want to thank you guys as well. So hope you have a great, uh, great veterans uh, weekend. And thanks for all your great work.
1: All right. Thank you, Senator. We appreciate you. Thanks. All right. It's so great to have a Senator Dan Sullivan from the amazing state of Alaska. I go there all the time. If you haven't been to Alaska, you need to make a trip to Alaska. It's just a spectacular place. Senator Dan Sullivan serving America through his service in the military and in the United States Congress, the U.S. Senate. Thanks to him for his leadership, for being such a great policy champion. We enjoyed having him on the show. Remember... Liberty and freedom, they're precious. Go out there, defend liberty and freedom and thank veterans for doing that for us as well. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.